following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do today. I'm just going to walk the halls and the aisles and just hug everybody. That's what I feel like doing. Uh, Brad and, 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 and this staff messed with us today. I wasn't expecting this. I really wasn't. I told them not to do anything because it's just another Sunday uh, of a long, continued time frame with a wonderful group of people. But they don't listen. I've discovered that people do whatever the heck they want to do. That's what they do. They just do it. I'm sorry I said heck, but I said it. People just do that. And so how can you contain a son-in-law? You can't run him off. He's got your grandkids, you know. (laughs) And he's married to my daughter. I don't want to run either one of them off. But thank you for your kindness to us today. And uh, we honor it and we thank God for you. We really, really do. I want you to stand one more time. You're incredible people. I'm not going to be lengthy today and I really mean that. I'm probably going to be through before you think I'm through. And it probably won't be as good as you think it's going to be. But I'm speaking today on a subject that I think will fit us and and touch our lives in a special way. My subject today is simply kissed by the king. Anybody like to have a big old smack from Jesus today? Amen. Kissed by the king. And uh, I'm, I'm delighted, I'm honored today to have friends in this house on this special day. It's an honor to welcome everybody. It really, really is. But I have dear friends. Michael Humphrey's in the house today, and he's a, 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 been a longtime friend now. Anytime you're a friend of mine for a month, it's a long time. You hear me? In fact, when I meet you and get to know you, we're a longtime friend because I believe that friendships don't take 100 years to establish. I think we need to establish friendships quicker than you could ever imagine. When Patty and I started dating, I asked her to marry me four weeks after we started dating. That's how it works. I should have, waited. I should have done it three weeks after we started dating. But I just believe that when you know that you know that you know, you just go ahead and just do it. Amen? Just go ahead and be a friend. So we're going we're gonna to be talking about it. So I, I want to ask you a question before you sit down. Does preaching really work? Does it work? That's a good question. Does it work? Sounds like an odd question for a preacher to ask on a Sunday morning of his anniversary. Sort of like a mechanic asking if he can fix a car, or a baker puzzled whether he can bake a cake, or a doctor wondering if he can cure a patient, yet it should be asked. Does preaching work? This question forces us to examine the intended goals of preaching. Only by knowing what we're aiming at can we hope to reach the threshold of what we call success. I read a story about a man who fired an arrow into a barn, and then he drew a target around the embedded arrow. Perhaps that's how some of have defined success in the past. Just let the arrow fly and where it lands is where it's intended to be. But the goal of preaching is best revealed in the title used frequently in the scripture when a preacher is called the man of God, the man of God. The preacher is a mouthpiece for the Lord. So if edification is needed, then he edifies. If correction perhaps is needed, then he has to correct. God must have a voice in the sanctuary. He's got to have a voice. And when a preacher speaks for God and not for himself, then I think preaching works. I really, really do. I really, really do. Which begs the question, how does a preacher speak for God? Well, the first thing, he's got to study to show himself approved. 
a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And secondly, he's got to pray diligently over what he has studied. And third, he has to hear and listen to the voice of God for his approval. And then fourth, he has to with love, with love, faithfully transmit the message. Amen? Amen. And so today, I desire to show the people lasting benefits of what we call the king's favor. And so I'm, I'm aiming an arrow, but I'm aiming at a target. I'm not just aiming at a barn. I'm aiming at a target. Second Samuel says, and the king answered, Chinnam shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good to you. Now whatever you request of me, I will do for you. Then all the people went over the Jordan, and when the king had crossed over, the king kissed Barzillia and blessed him, and he returned to his own place. My subject today, kissed by the king. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's going to talk a lot about kissing today. <laughs> and you may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Orpah kissed Ruth one day in Moab when she was coming back, a goodbye kiss. Samuel kissed Saul with an anointing kiss. Jacob kissed Isaac with a family kiss. Jacob kissed Rachel with a love kiss. Judas betrayed Jesus with a betrayal kiss. And the father kissed the prodigal with a welcome home kiss. There are many kisses in scripture, but today, today, we read of an old man named Barzillia being asked and being, and, and, and being, being kissed, kissed by a king. Let me give you a little story here, just a quick story, a quick synopsis of what I'm going to talk about. David ran. He ran as fast as his 60-year-old legs would carry him. It seemed like David had run all of his life before Israel. A young, a young David ran toward a giant named Goliath. And before a jealous king, David ran from hurled javelins. And before his enemy, David ran from Saul for over 10 years. David lived the life of a fugitive. He was always running. And now he was running again at 60. Absalom. His spectacularly good-looking, smooth-talking son had stolen the loyalty and taken the kingdom away from him in a coup. And several reasons for that, but all resulted in the same action. And so to survive, David had to run. He had to run. So he ran eastward. He ran toward the rising of the sun. His run took him to the Mount of Olives. There he stopped long enough to weep over his sins. And those rivers of tears carried him across the Jordan River to a country called Gad. And he ran into a rough wilderness, and there he stopped, hoping to find peace and hoping to find sanctity and safety. He was not alone in his sojourn. His immediate family was with him. Some loyal followers were there as well, but he had left in such a hurry that haste had left his group ill-prepared. They were weary. They were hurting. And they were hungry. And then an elderly man stepped up and found David and his group. And he brought to David and all of his family and his group bedding and basins and food 
and drink. And he sustained them during this period of exile. His name was Barzillia. It means simply man of iron. He must have had some biceps and triceps and thighs and calves. In short order, Joab found Absalom, the one that had caused all this situation, strung up by his long hair in the branches of a tree. And contrary to his king's wishes, Joab ended the matter. Three spears through the rebel's heart and the rebellion had died that quick. David now could return westward. He could go back home. He could be king again. And as the grieving king prepared to cross the Jordan, he thanked Barzillia. And David asked Barzillia to come to the palace. He said, I will take care of you. My goodness will compensate you there. But Barzillia said, no thanks. You owe me nothing. You are the king. But take my youngest son, please. Show him whatever kindness you desire. But as for me, I need nothing. And the king kissed Barzillia. This kiss showed, stay with me now, I'm going to preach right now, the king's favor. When a king kissed someone, it was the king's favor upon that person. Let me speak now. We all need the kiss from God. We all need God's favor. Raise your hand and say, I need God's favor, Pastor. Noah found favor in the sight of God. It protected him and his family. Joseph found favor in the sight of an Egyptian jailer in Pharaoh, and it protected him and his family. Esther found favor in the sight of the king, even though he was a foreign king, and it protected her and her family. We need, we need the favor of God. We need the king's kiss because the king's kiss protects us. Psalms chapter 51 said, let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. And watch this, with favor you will surround him as with a shield. Hallelujah. I'd like to say on March the 2nd, of 1990, not only did God send a pastor and his wife and three children, 15, six, and three, to this church, and people that look similar to that picture, Patty said, who is is that couple up there? And I said, I don't know. I really don't know. But boy, I tell you what, I had hair. And that was pre-Bluebell, you hear me? But I believe on that day, God kissed this church. I believe on that day, God kissed this church. And the favor of Almighty God has been shown to us week after week, day after day, month after month, come on now, year after year, because favor lasts a lifetime. His anger is just but for a moment, but his favor lasts forever. This is what we need in this day and hour. When people's hearts are failing them with fear, when tsunamis of sorrow flood our world, 
when mudslides of anguish are over, we overwhelmed by them. We need the favor of God. We need to be kissed by the king. It's a fable, but there's a story of a, several little girls who lived in a refuge where a king would come by occasionally. And the king would stoop and shake the hands of the little girls formally. But one girl who was lame asked the king to kiss her. And the sovereign kissed the girl on the cheek. And to the amazement of the other girls, the lame girl became whole again and was transformed into the most beautiful girl in the world. And one of the girls standing by said, so that's what happened when you're kissed by the king. I wanna, I wanna tell you, I'm looking at a church that I wanna be buried in. I'm looking at a church that I wanna live the rest of my life with because you're the most beautiful people in all the world to me today. Pastor, you ought to see me when I got up this morning. I didn't know. You put your makeup on, you combed your hair, you got your clothes on, hallelujah, thank God for that. And you showed up at church. And I wanna compliment you today because you're beautiful people. You know why? Because the king has kissed this church. And everything that walks in the doors of this house has been kissed. Come on, clap your hands real big by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. For our weakness in our life, there is a kiss. For our infirmities in our life, there is favor. And for our transgression, there is hope. We all need God's favor. Not only do we need it, God desires to show his favor. See, our king delights in us. He really does. He loves this church. You can experience his favor. Solomon's song opens with the bride saying, let me just kiss him in Song of Solomon chapter one, verse two. The church, folks, is God's delight. And he seeks us out when you walk in here. You're precious in his sight. He longs to provide for you. Think of all the times he has kissed you and all the times he has shown you favor in your life. Think of it. He redeems your life from the pit. He kissed you then. He heals you of all your diseases. He kissed you then. He gives you good things. He kissed you then. He renews your youth like an eagle. He kissed you then. I wish I could look like that again, but he makes his way known to you. He kissed you then. He's gracious to you. He's kissed you then. He's slow to anger. He kissed you then. He doesn't deal with you according to your failure, but according to his mercies. He kissed you then. His love is high as the heaven, Psalm said. He kissed you then. He has chosen us. He kissed you then. You're his workmanship. You're his masterpiece. He kissed you then. He lavishes the riches of his grace upon you. He kissed you then. He makes known to you the mysteries of his will. And he made you his heir. He kissed you then. I hath not seen. Ear hasn't heard. Your mind can't conceive what favor God would like to do for you. Would you clap your hands and say, I have been kissed by the Lord. So my question today is, are you in a position to be blessed? Are you favorable in God's sight? Abraham said this. He said, if I have found favor, do not pass from me. You know what you ought to pray for every day? You ought to pray for the favor that has kissed this church. This church is a predestined place. You lock yourself in this house. Your soul is going to heaven. I promise that. The church is going to go home. It's going to be with Jesus one day. And favorable people like Abraham sense the value of God's presence. Joseph brought favor to Potiphar. Favorable people bless others. And Paul commanded the Corinthians to kiss each other with a holy kiss. Come here, Brad. I'm going to give you a holy kiss. Come here. Now, here's what. See, we've westernized it. I'm not going to do anything stupid here. 
But we've westernized this stuff. And we, we've gone through France to do it. You know what I'm saying? You'll get there after a while. But here's what a holy kiss is. It's left cheek, heart, right cheek, strength, left cheek, heart. Now get out of here. And when you hug your brother, you hug your sister, that's a holy kiss. Amen. Clap your hands and say, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for something from God. Favorable people show favor to people. God's favor is like dew upon the grass, Psalms 19. The king's favor is like a cloud of latter rain. Satan saw God's favor as a hedge built around the righteous Job. See, God wants to bless his church, and he desires to give you lasting treasures. There is a church in the book of Revelation called the Church of Philadelphia. There were seven of them there, and one of those churches had an open door. Everybody say the open door. I believe this church could be called Philadelphia Christian Life Church. There's an open door in this house, and it's not just for people to come in. It's for the blessings of God to meet you when you come in. See, we have two back doors here, and we have a front door here, and when you walk in, God just walks in the backside, and he blesses you and starts hitting you with his glory. Many people say when they walk on the church parking lot, they start feeling the presence of God. You know what? That's important. That's important. When those people drive you up here and Sal sings to you, my God, when Sal sings to you, that's the blessings of God. When people say, have a great day, that's the blessings of God. It hits you when you get in that golf cart, and when you walk in and greeted by all the brethren, and you're greeted by three bald-headed men and one with hair, and it's a joy, amen? But what's happening is God has walked up to you and said, I'm here to give you favor today. I'm here to bless you today. I'm here to honor you today. And there's an open door in this house. In fact, let me preach a little bit about that church of Philadelphia. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds, everybody say, the key of David. That's important. And what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. He said, I know your deeds. See, I place before you an open door that no one can shut. I want you to walk out of here today and say, devil, you're not gonna shut God's blessing on my life. You're not gonna keep me away from being blessed by God. Come on, talk to him right now. You're not gonna do that to me. I'm in an open door church. I've been granted a measure of understanding, not all of it, of the significance of this key of David. Mentioned first in Isaiah, let me read Isaiah chapter 22. In that day I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, and I'll clothe, you with your, I'll clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. And I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David that he opens and no one can shut and that he shuts and no one can open. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. See, the key of David, folks, if you really studied, is one of authority. And it's one of government. And it opened four huge units in the city of God. It opened storehouses. Anybody here ever felt the blessing of God from the storehouse of God? Come on now. Clap your hands. You know it. You know it. You know it. The key also opened treasuries. Oh, thank God, because we have enough money to make another month. 
because God always supplies. You know I'm not a preacher about money, but I thank you that have given all these years to keep this church open, to build this place, to build the one next door, and to build the new one we're starting right now. What a joy to have people that care that much, but God's got a key to open up the hearts of people so they will give into the kingdom of God, the treasuries. And then he opens up, that key opens up armories. You know what that means? God's got something in the armory for us. It's our defense mechanism. There's no weapon formed against us that can prosper. My God, hallelujah. But God gives us a defense. God gives us something to fight back with. And we have mighty, mighty weapons to our disposal in this house. And the last thing it does, it opens up medicinal vaults. When you walk in here, the healing of the hand of God is on your life. Many of you have come in hurting and you walk out healed. You've come in depressed and you walk out impressed. You've come broken and you leave here put all together. You come down and God lifts you up because God has given this church the key of David. And the book says in Acts chapter 13, he said, I have found David, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. You know why it's called the key of David? Here it is, real short. I gotta, I gotta hurry. Here it is, real short. Because David desired one thing more than anything in his life. Hallelujah. He desired the presence of God. The first thing he wanted when he became king is where is the Ark of the Covenant? Where is the presence of God? And when they brought the presence of God, David danced before the Lord with all of his might. Here's what I want to tell you. A church that desires the presence of God is a church that has the key of David. No. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands real big. Somebody ought to stand up and say, that's right, preacher. You come here on a Wednesday night, the presence of God will be here. You come here on a Sunday morning, any service, the presence of God will be here. That's the key of David. Let me hurry. I said I wasn't gonna be long and I'm running late. Everybody said we need his favor. God desires to show us his favor. And this is my most beautiful part. God's favor is everlasting. Mm. The king kissed Barzillia, the man of iron, iron rust and iron corrodes, but the king's favor will not. And Barzillia entrusted to the king his youngest son, Chenum. And he said, don't bless me, king, bless the generations to come. Uh. See, momentary provision is not enough, God. Everlasting supply is what we need. Can I declare something to you that you, you already know, you that know me. I didn't come to make a name for myself. I came to make a name for him in this city. And when I'm gone someday, and I'll be gone, and y'all will come, and don't you cry at my funeral. Don't you cry at my funeral. You come in here and say, he taught us that the presence of God and the grace of God and the favor of God's on us. And we're gonna rejoice because the Lord has delivered him to the place that he always wanted to go. But I want the next generation. I want your kids to have the same joy and the same peace and the same contentment. Can I preach a little bit right now? And the same God and the same Holy Spirit and the same truth that has been preached across this pulpit for 29 years. We must have a generation to go before us and one to come after us. 
And the presence of God must be a part of our life. And so the king took the future under his arm. Today's needs had been met. Tomorrow's hope was now secure. And the days would peel off the calendar and Barzillia would die. And on David's deathbed, he commanded the, his son Solomon to care for Brazilia's children. Watch this now. And generations came and went, but still the favor of God and the favor of the king lasted. Captivity came from Babylon, then deliverance followed 70 years later. And from captivity, we read of Barzillia's family getting to come home, returning back to Israel in Ezra chapter 2, verse 61. Isn't that powerful? And the favor of the king is everlasting. In fact, I got to read this. Said the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Watch this. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Some blessings can be passed down. Blessings like faith. The Bible says train up a child. In the way it should go. Blessings like the love for the word. From a child you have known the things of God. Blessings like a good name. It's better to be chosen than great riches. Blessings like hope beyond this world. To be kissed by a king. Is to pass God's favor from one generation to the next. So in my 29th year of pastoring here. I want all the young people to know. And all the millennials and all the youngins. That are a part of this church. That you will have a church tomorrow. There will be favor tomorrow. Because it was a thousand years from David to the birth of Jesus Christ. Now watch this. He faced old age gracefully. He remained generous throughout his life. And he promoted the next generation. And he was kissed by a king. And don't forget his son, Chinnam. I'm fixing to blow your mind. David treated him like his own son. And he apparently gave Chinnam... Listen closely. A place in the city of David. The place called Bethlehem. Bethlehem. And Jeremiah chapter 41 verse 17 called it a habitation. And that original word mentioned is probably an inn or a stable. And Jeremiah said Chinnam's Inn was the place of departure. It was the way station on the road to Egypt. Bethlehem, you following me? An inn, a stable, and Egypt? No, yes, yes. Bible scholars believe that on that fateful night when the son of David was born, that Mary and Joseph came to the city of David. And they knocked on the door of a descendant of Barzillia a thousand years later. And although there was no room in the inn, the place was provided a stable. And from that place, a quick escape was made to Egypt to flee Herod. The favor of God goes on and 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 on. And on, stop, no, and on, 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 and on. It lasts a lifetime. Can you rejoice with me and clap your hands and receive the word here today?
Randy, if you'll help me. David showed favor to Shimei. Shimei, when David was running from the coup that Absalom had started, threw rocks at David and cursed him. But when David came back, he, he showed favor to Shimei. He didn't kill him. And yet there was special favor given to Barzillia, the one who blessed him. Barzillia blessed the king and the king blessed him. Don't you think it'd be all right if you started blessing God instead of cursing God? Don't you think it'd be all right? You'll be blessed. God, God's not going to turn favor off because you're a part of a church that has the key of David. But can you imagine how much more you'd be blessed if you started blessing the Lord at all times? And let his praise be in your mouth. During the great plague in London, I close. Samuel Pepe is recorded in his diary, A Curious Tradition. When the king of England passed through the streets, the town folk would race up to him desiring to be kissed by him. And they believed the king's kiss would protect them from the plague. And it still does. The king's kiss will protect you.